Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks, and today I'm joined by Raphael Jokobin. How are you doing, Raphael? I'm doing well, Sam. How are you? Yeah, all good on my end, thanks. And Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? I'm good, thanks, Sam. Nice to be here. Excellent. Yeah, good to have you on, as always. Um, and so tonight, uh, today we're going to get started uh, only one place to start, really, and that's the race for the top four, because that is certainly hotting up. Uh, obviously, we've actually had a double game week, um, you know, since we since we last spoke. But we're going to focus uh, primarily at the start on Lazio versus Milan, which happened on Monday night. Um, I think everyone expected this to be a really cracking contest, but it turned out a bit one-sided with Lazio winning 3-0 in the end. Uh, what did you make of the game, Raphael? When did it go right for Lazio, first of all? I don't think it was as clear-cut as the, uh, as the result suggested. I think you know, Lazio, I think what went well for them was, you know, as usual, their counter-attacking was pretty much on point. I think they, they looked threatening every time they went forward. And, you know, they made, they made Milan pay for... You know, just being lackluster in defence, really, and um, I think they did have a few sort of, uh, sort of moments of fortune. I guess the, the second goal, there was um, there was quite a long VAR check, if I remember, and then I yeah. think the referee gave it after, even though it looked like there was a trip in the build-up. So that was uh, that was a controversial call, which could have gone either way. I think uh, that might have that might have sort of tipped the balances a bit, but I think. Either way, I think Milan just weren't really at the race. If they haven't been for a while, I think it's sort of, uh, really it's gone for them. They've, they've sort of they've sort of collapsed really. And I think you know not just on the pitch, but obviously there's a lot of situations happening off the pitch as well. Donnarumma's sort of contract renewal is probably sort of affecting affecting things a bit as well. And you know the fact that Ibrahimovic isn't there. He's, he's missed even more even more games now with uh, a few a few uh, muscle issues. I think I think it's just generally a sort of a combination of uh, of little little issues and that mental aspect that men the men just aren't in the races anymore. And yeah, you know, I mean, I I fear for Milan. I think that, I think mean, they're going to drop out of the. I mean, they, they might even finish sixth. I think. Yeah, they they certainly are on a bit of a downward spiral. Interesting that you mentioned that second goal there, actually, because I also thought it was a foul. Uh, Francesco, I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think the incident from the first half had any bearing on this with regards to Lazio having a goal chalked out with Lazzari, what maybe his toenail was offside? Do you think perhaps the referee was like, let's make it one all with these close decisions and anything in that? Or do you think he, he actually just didn't think it was a foul? Yeah, I don't really think that he was levelling anything up. I think he just didn't see that it was a foul. Uh, I agree with Rafael. I think it probably was a foul. And uh, Milan were a bit unlucky to concede that second goal. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, the game as a whole, I think this is one of the best lateral performances we've seen in a while. One of the things that's been impressive about Lazio, I think you were saying it last week, Sam, is um, how they've managed to turnover results even when they've not been playing well and it felt like this weekend all of their big players uh, were back in form I think Lazzari and Korean especially were just brilliant and they tormented Milan 
But I also think that Milan, uh, you know, they create their own problems. I, I don't think that whilst they've been pretty good to watch all season and they've, they've been great for the certainly the first half of the season, I don't feel like they're very adaptable. Um, this game reminded me a little bit of the second Milan derby where they're playing against a side who you know are good on the counter-attack and purely just still plays a high line and that caused them all of their problems really when you're playing against players like Lazzari and, and Correa who, and, and Immobile who are really love to run into space playing such a high line is you know I think it's it's not a wise decision and I suppose that is one of the limits of, of this Milan side that they 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 just aren't adaptable they only play in one way and if they're not playing well um, you know then they really struggle to, to pick up points pick up results Yeah I think it's worth mentioning as well that um, it, this was Inzaghi's first game back after being out with the, well, COVID-19. This was his first game back on the bench. He'd been out for three games where, you know, they weren't looking, they weren't looking that good. Obviously, they lost, uh, they lost to Napoli in midweek. And, um, you know, his first game back and they win 3-0. So, I'm not saying it's, it's the only cause, but like, you know that's going to be another argument in his favour when it comes to when it comes to negotiating a new contract. The fact that he, he was able to come back and sort of I wouldn't say mastermind. That's a bit of a bit of a stretch, but I think it's clear that his influence was there as well. Yeah, Lazio certainly given themselves a good chance uh, to to try and get into those top four places now. But just focusing on Milan, there are a few things to pick up on. Uh, I was having a discussion. Uh, we're talking about this the other day and as you say Francesco Pioli's changes were quite like for like he didn't try to change it up much I thought Mandzukic was very ineffective and then uh, you know handing the captain's armband to Donnarumma uh, with all this going on and, and, and of course bringing on Romagnoli at the end for Kier someone who has possibly been you know one of Milan's best players over time but is, is there an argument that perhaps Romagnoli comes back in this weekend for Kier? What, what are your opinion on, the, on those sort of things? Yeah, I think the point you make about Romagnoli, I know that you're a big Romagnoli fan, Sam, um, but I think that really stands up. Um, you know, a difficult time in the season when things aren't going well, I think you want your most experienced players, players who really know the league, to be there. And, you know, I think you and I both agree that Romagnoli had a pretty tough time after the Milan derby when... He struggled with Lukaku and he didn't play that well. And then he he fell out of the side. But if you look at the two matches this week that Milan have played against Latu and against Sassuolo, you've got to say that Tomori was possibly at fault in both of those matches for goals. And I'm not necessarily... You know, I like Tomori. I think he's a good player. I'm not necessarily saying that things would have been different if Romagnoli was there. But having a player who has experience, who is a leader, who knows the, the dressing room, uh, you know, when you're having a difficult time of it, you know, it's probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he came, if he did come back in. And, you know, I think he was unlucky to be dropped in the first place. So that is one of the things that maybe purely could think about doing to, to try and get this team going again. Yeah, it seems that he will have to change something up because, uh, you know, two defeats in a week for Milan and they have now dropped out of the top four for the moment, at least, although it's, well, it's very, very tight. Um, we're going to move on to, another team who are in that top four. And um, we're going to go move on to Atalanta, who won 5-0 on the weekend, actually. Now, I tweeted after the game that 
with this top four race being so tight, if I had to pick one team who I thought are definitely going to make that top four, it's going to be Atalanta. Do you agree with me, Raphael? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a given because, you know, I, I mean, they did win 5-0 over the weekend, but it's against the Bologna side, which tends to collapse quite easily after, you know, it's a sort of a typical... Sort of typical pattern of a of a Bologna game. Really, they start well for the first sort fifteen minutes, maybe maybe half an hour a stretch, and then against the big team, and then they just sort of collapse. So I'm not. I was I wasn't surprised by the result, but yeah, clearly Atalanta sort of out of that out of those four or five teams, they're the, probably the side with the most most momentum, and they still got um they still got Milan to play in two weeks time, I think. So I think that's going to be sort of the final hurdle before before they qualify. But yeah, I think they're definitely they're, they're on track to qualify. I think they can they can probably just you know keep an eye on the uh, on the Copa final right now while they sort of sort of see themselves safe into into the top four. So yeah, I think you know they've got a lot of players who are just firing on all cylinders right now. You know, Muriel Malinowski. They're all putting in, you know, at least eight out of ten performances every every game, like especially against Bologna. But Malinowski against uh, against Roma was sort of sensational, really. And he, well, he's been he's actually been in a, in a you know, just great form in general in these past few weeks. So I think that combination of um, you know the other the other teams maybe not having the best the best run in and Atalanta having all these players in form, I think. We can safely say that they are gonna they are gonna finish probably second. Yeah, it looks that way at the moment. Um, interesting, you mentioned Malinowski there. I mean, he he's been in outstanding form recently. I, I know Francesco, you're a fan of Piscina, but Malinowski's actually been keeping him out the team uh, recently. But that sort of shows the strength in depth that Atalanta have. But also Luis Muriel, he was. Fantastic again this weekend. I, I think it was Christian Vieri was comparing him to the Brazilian Ronaldo. Do you see any resemblance there? I myself actually thought he was sort of playing the Papu role at times, sort of pulling out to that left wing, just in that left channel and causing all sorts of problems. So so what, what what's your feelings on that? Yeah, I think that since Muriel has been in Italy, I think when he first arrived, people were already talking about him as kind of the new Ronaldo because... I think also he has a slight facial resemblance to the original Ronaldo. He looks a little bit like him, but but people have always said that he's really, really talented. I think Di Natale once said that he was the most talented player that he'd ever played with. And so it has been a bit of a mystery why he hasn't done more in Serie A in the early part of his career. Um, I, I think... Gasperini deserves Gas, Gasperini and Atalanta deserve a lot of credit for what is happening right now because he looks like he's in the best physical shape of his life and something that no one else has really been able to do is is make him is is given him continuity in his game so that he's consistently performing and that is something that Gasperini and Atalanta have done. Um, I think uh, you know I, I heard the conversation with Vieri and Cassano talking about him and when when Vieri said that that you know he reminded of the of the old Ronaldo and, um, you know, the good Ronaldo, let's call him that. And Cassano, uh, Cassano responded that, and I think this is a good point, he said, if if Muriel had been this good all his career, then he wouldn't be playing for Atalanta. And I think that's probably true. Um, 
you know, he's been really a top top player. And yeah, they like what you guys have already said, that one of the most impressive things about Atalanta is their strength and depth, I think, without spending too much money, they seem to have picked up all these players and they all seem to be performing. You know, they had five different scorers again this weekend. Moranchuk, who hasn't played much, he came on and scored. Uh, you know, you say that Pessina's at, I think Pessina's had a great season and yet Manovsky's keeping that out of the scene because at the moment he's even better. It just seems like they have so many options. They are so confident at the moment. So, yeah, I agree with you totally that right now they, they seem favourites against the Champions League. Yeah, and of course, they, they were miss, missing uh, Gossens, who was out uh, suspended. Hatterborough returned from uh, injury, so all looking great for Atalanta. Not so great for Juventus. Um, they drew one all with Fiorentina on the weekend, and we've seen this weekend, really, at both ends of the table, draws aren't really good enough because you can get dragged into a bit of a battle after that. Um, Raphael, what, what are your thoughts on Juve at the moment? <clears throat> Is, is the unthinkable going to happen? Are they going to miss out on the top four? You'd imagine that the quality of their players, you know, they'd be sort of too big to fall. But at the same time, yeah, I think looking, I mean, looking at the performance, Dybala and Ronaldo were non-existent and they're the players you'd expect to be sort of rising to the occasion. You know, they're the two players who were leading them to the title last last season. But they're, clearly they're not... Um, they're not really at the races. I think Dybala gets a bit of leeway because he's coming back from injury. But, yeah, it's, it's, it just seems lacklustre. There's not, not a lot of rhythm to their play. It's not, you know, it, it's very disjointed. And I think, I, think, I still think they will, they, will, they will probably qualify for the Champions League anyway because, you know, like I say, the quality, the quality in that squad is too big to... Too big to miss out, I think. But what was quite interesting, I thought, was um, looking at Pirlo's uh, interview after the match. He was saying that he's not, he wasn't happy with the job that he'd done, and neither is neither is Juventus happy with the job he's done. Which is interesting when you, you know, when you compare it to his interviews at the start of the season, where he was very, very optimistic, going on about how how well he wanted his team to play, how how they were challenging for the top. Maybe a sign that he has he's checked out as well. You know, I think Paratici was saying that if he qual, I think he was saying that if Juventus qualify for the Champions League, Pirlo will be renewed. But if not, then you know his his position will be in question. And it does show, I guess, that the Pirlo experiment just hasn't hasn't worked out. And whether um, whether the fact that whether or not Pirlo stays is dependent on the Champions League. I don't think that's entirely true because, you know, you, the Juventus mate, half of the Juventus team and the Juventus sort of management has seemed to have sort of given up on him, and I think that's sort of symptom, and it's you know shown in the in the results this season. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think um, just looking at Juve's fixtures as well, they perhaps have the toughest run in. Um, I mean, they've got Udinese this weekend. Um, I think most people would expect them to win that, but these are the type of games they've been struggling in. And then they've got Milan, they've got Sassuolo, who are battling for a, for a Europa League spot, possibly. And they've got Inter, who, you know, will probably have won the title by then, but would absolutely love to get one over Juventus, of course. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts, Francesco? Do you see them possibly missing out? 
I think for the first time this season, it, it, I think there's a possibility. I didn't believe until this weekend that they wouldn't qualify. I think now I'm not sure that they will because, like you say, they arguably, arguably have got the toughest run in out of any, anyone. And they're not playing well. And there seems to be quite a bit of confusion as to how they should play. Piedlaw changed formation again this weekend. He started with a 3-5-2. I mean, I think that's probably the way he would like to play, but it just doesn't seem to work for them. Um, you know, Raphael mentioned that Ronaldo and Dybala didn't play very well. I don't really understand why they don't play well because they seem quite well matched to me. It, I, you know, they, they should be doing better than they're doing. And so he changed it again at halftime and went back to this kind of strange 4-4-2 with Danilo. I, yeah, it seems like... I, I think Pirlo has got some good ideas. I think he's got potential to be a good manager. I just think he's he's never really insisted with a certain way of playing. Even when, as soon as things have started to go badly, he's just changed things again. And I don't think that's really helping anyone. It's causing confusion and he's not getting the best out of his squad. Um, and so, yeah, for that reason, I think there is a chance they might miss out. They, they've got work to do. And, you know, in a couple of games time when they play Milan, that is, uh, that's going to be a huge match. Of course, with with situations like this, momentum can be quite a big thing, and <clears throat> there's no side with greater momentum at the moment, other than other than possibly you know Inter and Atalanta. But but I'm moving on to Napoli now, who are absolutely flying. Uh, they of course beat Lazio five two last week. They beat Torino two nil this weekend. How it was only two, I don't know. Ozimen was having a personal battle with Sirigu for most of the second half. Um, but uh, it was 2-0. Napoli are now into the top four for the moment. Are they going to stay there, Raphael? I mean, based on the way they're playing right now, you'd imagine they would. I mean, the their game against Lazio, I think, was probably the, the game of the... probably the best game midweek just for the quality the quality of the goals in the second half from I mean, from both sides, really. You know, you had, um, again, Milinkovic-Savage's free kick, um, that sort of hard volley from Mertens, a great finish from Insigne, sort of lobbed over the keeper. And then, obviously, that great performance against Torino again. But they've definitely got the momentum. Um, it seems like Gattuso sort of worked out how to, how to utilise his... His, uh, his attacking players are seeing Ossiman getting a lot more involved, not just um, not just in general play, but getting involved in the goals a lot more in this um, sort of in the second half of the season, which is good to see. And generally, you know, it seems that it seems that a lot of their players have you know come back into form just at the right time. Insigne, I think, is the best example. He he had quite a dip. You know, in the winter, now he's come back and he's he's looking sensational. Really, scoring some great goals and and really in just generally as a playmaker. So, yeah, I'd I'd say they I'd say they're pretty much on track to finish top four. I think, especially since they haven't got any other any other distractions right now. I think that's um I mean that's pretty much pretty much set. 
looking at their fixtures, um, I know I think you mentioned this last week on Twitter, Francesco. Um, they have the easiest fixtures on paper. However, you know, with the bottom half of the table sort of tightening up over the past week, they're going to be facing a lot of sides who are sort of in a relegation battle. And Napoli have had a few sort of unusual slip-ups this season. Is that the only thing that can sort of stop them getting top four now, do you think? Yeah, I think like it's it's good for them that it's in their hands now. Um, and they have, I'd say they're the favourites to win all their matches from now till the end of the season. If they play well, they'll win all of those games. And they are just in a similar way to Atalanta, they look so confident and they have so many options. Gattuso arrested a few players actually this weekend. You know, he um, and two of the players who didn't start last week got the goals and he rested, uh, you know, he played Rachmani and he played well. And it just, in the same way that Atalanta have got this depth of squad, it doesn't matter who plays at the moment, they're all playing well. And they just look so confident, Napoli. I think they're on a great run and... Even though, like you say, they've got they've got Cagliari coming up. It's a tricky fixture. Cagliari uh, picked up a bit of form. I'd expect Napoli to just show up and and win that match. And I expect that from now till the end of the season. I know they've had some tricky fix, tricky games where they've dropped points earlier on in the season, but I think this team now is very different to the team that we saw kind of before Christmas and early on in the season when they were struggling. I think everyone is pushing in the right direction. And yeah, I expect them to finish in the top four. I feel like I feel like a little bit the league has regressed to mean, and by that I mean that the the teams are now ending up where they where where we thought they'd end up at the beginning of the season. For me, for example, Milan, they aren't one of the best four sides in Serie A. I'd say they're kind of fifth to seventh, and that's that seems to be where they're going. And Napoli, on the other hand, are probably if you look at just their squad, the quality of the players they have, the depth of the players they have, they're probably a top three side, and it looks like they're going that way. So. Yeah, to me, I think they're, they're going to be okay. The, other, the only other thing I'd like to talk about with Napoli is the fact that there's rumours that Gattuso might leave regardless of, of what happens. I think that, you know, people are saying there's been a bit of a falling out with De Laurentiis. And it would be a real shame, I think, if they did qualify for the top four. The way the team are playing, the way they seem to be on board with Gattuso's ideas and what he's doing, I think he's an extremely likeable person. It would be a shame if they, uh, you know, if they didn't carry on with him just because he's had a bit of a falling out with Delaurentis. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that will be interesting to follow. Um, but it's not affecting Napoli on the pitch right now, that's for sure. They're, they're absolutely flying. Um, but of course, their opponent's Torino. Uh, and, and we're now going to focus on the relegation battle. Um I feel like a few weeks ago we were talking about there was Torino, Cagliari, Palmer, and we were saying two of those three and Crotone, done and dusted. Thank you very much. How wrong we were, uh, because now Benevento are into the bottom three, um, level on points with Torino and uh, Cagliari, but they lost 4-2 to Udinese. Raphael, are they going to stay in that bottom three? Are you really worried for them now? I think they've got a favourable run in, to be fair to them. So I think that's, that's pretty much, you know, they're not, they're not in good form, but that's pretty much the one thing that they've got in favour. I think I'm looking at it now, they've got Cagliari, Crotone and Torino. So sort of three direct, sort of direct rivals. Yeah, those are huge games. Huge games. Crotone is done and dusted. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the other game is Atalanta, which they'll probably lose. But 
Yeah, I think that the fact that they have got a relatively easy run in is is going to be in their favour. It's I'm not I'm not too sure what um, what's happened to them, you know, to you know to cause a sort of this sort of downturn in form because it, it has looked it did look like Inzaghi had some decent ideas at the start of this season. They had a relatively relatively decent defence, but it see, I think it seems like you know the overall quality of the squad. I think they're sort of catch, caught up to them. So, yeah, I think I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're down just yet. I think it is. This is going to go down right to the end of the to, well to the final day of the season. It's definitely going to be you know it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be. To be fair, Francesco, I think when we talked about this before, and I've said, is that if there's going to be one team dragged into it. You have said Benevento. Um, talking about their running, as Raphael said, it seems that you know they've got like three games against teams around them, and then I think they've got Milan and in and, and Atalanta. So, how do you assess things for them? You've been worried about them before. Do you think they can still get out of this, or or are they are they gone for you? Um, I think they, there's a chance they can still get out of it. I think they, like you say, they've got some games that they could win. Um, the problem is that they just don't look like winning at the moment. I think they've got one win in 17 or something, uh, 16 maybe, and that was against Juve. Um, yeah, basically, uh, I think around Christmas, we, we we were talking about who we'd say was manager of the year. And I think I had Inzaghi, Filippo Inzaghi in, in the hat for that because of how well Benevento started the season. And since then, they've been rubbish. They just haven't picked up any points at all. Um I, I feel like now they're probably the favourites to go down uh, because Cagliari and Torino have all, you know, picked up form. I, I think those two are going to be okay because of how they're playing. Um, I suppose Spezia could could drop back into it. But yeah, I really, I fear for Benevento. I think it'd be a real shame if they went down. Even if I hate their badge, um, I think it would be a real shame if they went down. Yeah, they've certainly given a better account of themselves than last time in Syria, but it's not looking great for them right now. And as you say, Cagliari have picked up form. Two wins over the past week, including a 3-2 win over Roma on the weekend in a really exciting game. Um, Raphael, what sort of change for them over the past week? Because it seemed they could barely pick up a result before then, but all of a sudden two wins and they've caught up with the teams above them. I mean, Raul Pedro coming back into form has played a massive, uh, a massive role in that. It seems like he's, you know, he was he was sort of misfiring for the last few months, and then like he scored in both games, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, and then and just generally, you know, it seems like I mean, it's I think I think they were always due um, sort of mini revival at least. Just, just because of the quality of the players in their squad, you know. I, I, I mean, I was, I was saying, I think I was saying a few weeks ago that a lot of their players are washed up, and sort of, you know, there's a reason they're at Cagliari. But you know, at the end of the day, there is a lot of quality in that squad anyway, you know, the likes of Godin and Nangolan. But also, you know, also just generally, guys like Joao Pedro, you know, who, who are reliable and who are who will get get goals eventually so yeah I think I mean it's I guess it's another example of regressing to the mean you know they are 
they are they're not they're not probably not a mid-table team per se, but they're definitely not relegation material when you look at the quality of their squad. Yeah, the the other thing I'd say about this the, the game this weekend with Kayeli is uh, arguably the best time to play Roma in the club's history. I think Roma have kind of given up on the league now completely understandably. They've uh, they also got the big Europa League game this this um, midweek, so I think it's a good time to play them. And yeah, fair play to Napoli. Uh, sorry to Cagliari for, for picking up the points. I think also Cagliari have got the most interesting running. They're basically a mix of teams who are in the relegation zone and teams fighting for the Champions League places. They've got to play Benevento and Fiorentina in the next couple of weeks, and those are going to be two huge matches. But the way they're playing at the moment, like Rafael says, he's mentioned they have some kind of big name players who who we know can do more than they've done this season. I think Cagliari are going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to go down to the wire, though, I think. And, and we also had two teams who were sort of down there uh, as well who played this weekend. That was Genoa Spezia. Uh, Genoa won that one 2-0. They're now five points above relegation. But, we, but we've seen how quickly these gaps can be closed um, over the last week. So do, do you think Genoa maybe need one more win, Raphael? To sort, I know in... The, in the Premier League, they sort of talk about this magic 40-point mark. So, do you think maybe one more win for Genoa and they're, and they're safe? Yeah, I think considering the amount of the sheer amount of teams below them, even if there is, you know, in terms of points, the gap isn't that big. But, yeah, the, the sheer amount of teams below them, I think one win will do it. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's interesting that they have sort of Come back into form after um, well, when when uh, when Ballardini first came in, I think they were they were in sensational form sort of midway through the season. They shot back up to mid table after pretty much being down. I think they were bottom at one point. I'm not too sure, but either way. And then I think it's the new manager effect sort of wore off a bit, and now there's been a there's been a resurgence, which is. Which is which is great to see. I mean, um, I think I quite liked him. I think it's Goran Pandev. He scored his hundredth goal in uh, in his Serie A career uh, in the midweek game in the uh, draw against Benevento. So that was great to see. <laughs> yeah, still going strong. Yeah. Um... On, on the other hand, we have Spezia. Now, I think it was about two or three weeks ago, they beat Crotone with a last-minute winner. And I sort of thought at that point, I think they're just about all right now. Oh, now they're only two points above the relegation zone. Looking at their fixtures, though, Francesco, they're playing Verona, they've got Sampdoria, and they've got Roma in three of their last five games. Three sides who you'd say maybe don't have much to play for. So do you, based on that, do you think maybe Spezia will just about be okay? Um, yeah, I mean, those games, they can kind of go both ways, can't they? Sometimes those teams just relax and they play better. Um, I think I think this was a big result for Genoa this weekend. I, I actually thought Genoa were really good. They deserved to win. And uh, I was surprised that Spezia didn't make, you know, make more of a game of it. Um and yeah, that I think Spezia are, are very much in the in the relegation fight. It, it'll be in, to, interesting to see what happens in the next few games. I also think we didn't mention it. We spoke about the Juve game, but I also think that Fiorentina, even though this weekend's point was was probably a really good one and could be a really important one, they're very much in in the mix as well. They're only yeah. three points above the drop. Um, I think Rafael's probably right that Genoa, anyone above Genoa. 
there's too many teams below them. You know, a lot of teams would have to pick up quite a few points for it to become a problem for them. And also Genoa, actually, they, it looks like they're having another mini resurgence. They, they were really good this weekend, so they'll probably be okay. But I think Spetta and Fiorentina are very much in, in the mix. Yeah, and I think, yeah, as you say, there's about six teams sort of battling to stay above uh, that 18th place now. Um, and it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. Two teams who look like they are down, uh, Palmer and Crotone, Absolute thriller this weekend between the sides, though. Crotone won 4-3. I, I, I've been... I think Crotone have been all right this season. I've been bigging them up a bit. And Raphael, would you say they deserve this one after a lot of close matches recently that they've just come out the wrong end of? Definitely. I think it looks like they're going, probably going to finish above Parma just on the basis of, uh, of momentum, which would be more than deserved, deserved I think. I think they probably don't... They, I mean, they don't deserve to stay up when you, when you concede 83 goals. <laughs> more, well, more than 83 goals by the end of the season, I would imagine. Then I think you're, you know, you're setting yourself up to go down. But there's, you know, there's a lot of really interesting players in that squad. I mean, Simi, Simi gets the headlines because he scores a lot of goals, and he's, you know, he's probably going to be, be snapped up by a, by a sort of mid-table, or maybe higher, higher end Serie A team over the summer. But you've got guys like, um, like Junior Messias, for example. You've got Alain Munas, who I'm a big fan of. Um, I've been I've been watching him since he came through the uh, through the youth system at Bordeaux at my team, and you know for a while I thought that he'd sort of lost his way a bit since he uh, since he went to Napoli. You know, he wasn't really playing a lot there, but it looks like he's found his form again, and he's gonna and he's gonna go back to Napoli and you know hopefully fight for his place. You know, which is you know it's great to see. I think as a well, Bordeaux fans, we haven't had a lot to a lot to celebrate this week with our club potentially going bust. So uh, I mean, it's great to see a former player, you know, do well. And I think I think I think Gunas will, you know, he's gone under the radar a bit this season. But looking at his performances, I think he can definitely sort of stake a claim to be uh, to be in that Napoli team next season. Yeah, I totally agree with Rafael. I'm, I'm a big fan of Unas. I think he's been great since he's gone to Crotone. And that front three this weekend, uh, they were they were really a lot of fun to watch. I think Simi, Messias and, and Unas together is, is quite a, it's a, you know, they, they bring a lot to the game. They've got lots to offer and they were, they were excellent. Um, and I suppose it's a little bit of a shame that they, you know, they weren't there all season. I don't know that it would have made a difference because... I suppose Crotone's problem hasn't been scoring goals, it's been defending. But, you know, it's, you know, genuinely one of the most exciting front threes in the league at the moment. Um, and, yeah, hopefully those players, all three of them, can can stay in the division next year. I think it'd be, they, they probably deserve it based on what they've done. Um, and, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I've got, got to say I was quite pleased for Crotone this weekend. I, I think there's been much worse sides in Serie A over the years, so... Fair play to them. Um, we're now going to move on. Uh, we almost forgot about Inter, didn't we? So we better mention them since they are winning the league. Uh, they could actually win the league this weekend. But uh, they won 1-0 against Verona on, uh, on was it Saturday or Sunday? Can't remember. One of the two. Um, Matteo Darmian getting a late winner, as he did a couple of weeks ago against Cagliari as well. Something that I, I found quite interesting, Raphael, was Conte said... Um, after the game that, you know, Inter still need to strengthen, even though they've sort of run away with the league this season, they still need to strengthen. Do you agree with him? And if so, what's, what positions do Inter need to look at this summer? 
I think he's got a point, yeah. It does look like they're sort of stuttering to the finish line a bit this uh, in these past few weeks. And not just with the jaws, but just the general, the general performance. I think a lot of their big players this season haven't, you know, have sort of trailed off a bit. Uh, you know, Lukaku, for example, hasn't been firing on all cylinders. Barella, for for a while, I think hasn't been, hasn't been in top form. So I think it would be it would be a question of just um, depth, really. The starting eleven is pretty much just pretty. It's pretty much where where he would want it, want it to be. So, yeah, I mean, because they're going to be in the, they're going to be in the Champions League next season, so they're going to want to, you know, do a lot better than they did this season, and that means having a having a deeper squad. Um, I think a lot of this season, a lot of the first half of the season, was about Conte finding sort of finding the his ideal squad and sort of the best position for these players. You know, Ericsson, I mean, he didn't basically didn't play the first half of the season because. He hadn't found that sort of well. Conte wasn't using him in that sort of left midfield spot yet, and ever since he's been using him in that position in uh, since January, it's sort of been a revelation. I think if Ericsson had been playing best at the start of the season, then maybe maybe we would have seen a seen a better European run. But that's just I mean that's just one example. I think so. I think it, it's a combination. It's it's it would be a combination of getting you know getting more depth but also at the same time you know now that now that he's established what his best team is and how how he can best use his um you know his his, his bench players i think next season will be a early the first half of next season will be a lot better than the first half of this season yeah so rafael you're just talking there about uh, adding squad depth for inter but perhaps one area that that could be improved is the goalkeeping situation. I know uh, Handanovic has had a fair bit of criticism this season. He is getting a bit older in sort of his mid-30s. Um, Francesco, what do you think? Do you, do you think he could still be the keeper next season or do you think uh, Conte should be looking for a replacement? Um, I think because he is not that young anymore, looking for a replacement is not such a bad idea. But I I actually quite like Handanovic. Um, I think mainly, though, because of how good he has become with his feet. I think he is key to the way Inter play. They, they, they lean on the goalkeeper so much when they're playing out from the back. And he is one of the best, if not the best, in the league at that. I think he rarely makes mistakes when he's distributing uh, you know, the ball on the floor with his feet to the centre-backs or to Brozovic. And I think he has a really good understanding with those players. And, you know, there's been a, a few rumours about where Donnarumma might, might end up next season. I think it, I, I don't think he will end up at Inter, but if he did, I think that would be a problem uh, because Donnarumma is just not as good with his feet as, as Handanovic is and Inter use him so much for that. So even though he has made a couple of goalkeeping mistakes in the last couple of games, I wouldn't be, you know that keen to get rid of him so quickly if I was an Inter fan. Um, and I think if the, the place in there starting 11 where I think they could possibly improve a little bit is the left side of midfield, kind of the left wing back. I think Hakimi's been great this season and I think he's only going to get better. On that left side, I'm still, whilst um, uh, Perisic has done a decent job and Young has done a decent job and Darmian has done a decent job at times this season, I think that is where they could really bring in a player that's going to make a difference. I know that last season they were very close to signing Spinazzola, 
I think eventually it was actually Inter who pulled out of that. And I think in hindsight, uh, you know, that was a bad decision because he's been one of the best kind of wingbacks in the in the division over the last kind of year or so. And I think that kind of player can make a difference for them. So if I was going to be investing money for that, that's where I would look to strengthen. Um, and possibly, like Rafael said, just a bit of depth, um, maybe maybe something slightly different in midfield. I think one of the problems they have occasionally um, is breaking teams down. Uh, I think we saw that in the Champions League earlier this season against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, where over two games they weren't they just weren't able to score against them, and in the end, that's what cost them qualification. So maybe having a midfielder who gives them a bit more unpredictability. I think you know the kind of candidates that you'd be looking at who are within Inter's. Well, we don't know what Inter's budget is going to be, but the kind of realistic target that they could go for is someone like Rodrigo de Paul, Odinese. That's the kind of player who could come in, give them something a little bit different, maybe unlock defences more easily in that type of fixture. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the poll from Udinese because I think uh, one goalkeeper who's been linked with Inter has been Juan Musso as well uh, at Udinese. I think he could be a decent fit uh, if they did decide to to strengthen that goalkeeping position. Um, one other game we haven't touched on this weekend, that was Sassuolo-Sampdoria. And Sassuolo have actually had an excellent week because, of course, they beat AC Milan uh, last midweek. Uh, and, they, and then beat Sampdoria 1-0. And they've closed the gap to Roma to just three points. So, Raphael, do you think that they have a that they have a decent chance of overtaking Roma and, and getting that final Europa League spot? I'd imagine, yeah. I mean, they're on, they're on four wins in a row now. And Roma are just a complete free-fall right now, just concentrating 100% on the Europa League. So... You know the way things are going, it's it could probably happen as soon as you know, as soon as next week or the week after. But it's, I mean, it's not, it's not surprising, I think, because you know, Dzerbi has got his best team back together. He's got his, you know, the team is back to full complement. You've got relatively, you've got, um, you know, Berardi, who's, you know, doing very well right now. He's, uh, I loved his little, uh, his little overhead kick from about, uh, yeah, uh, right next, right, right in front of the, uh, right in front of the open goal, which is quite, quite good. And um, yeah, I think just generally, you've got players like Locatelli and Lopez in that midfield tandem doing very well. Boga seems to be, seems to be, you know, gaining in form as well. It's. It's, it seems like think everything's going well for Sassuolo right now. It's a shame that by the end of the season that that team's probably going to be dismantled because you've got, I mean, you've got the manager Dzerbi's probably on his way out. It seems his contract expiring. And then you've had Locatelli, you know, giving it, giving interviews saying that he, you know he's ready for a big club and that, he, and that that could be that could be abroad or in in Italy. So it doesn't look like he's going to stay at Sassuolo for very long. Um. So yeah, it's 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 a, it's a shame that the team's not going to stay together for, for for much longer. But it's great to see them sort of get back into get back into form, and it would be great to see them in the Europa League next next year anyway. Yeah, it would be a massive shame if that team did break up a little bit this summer. I think we've sort of referred to Sassuolo in the past as the <clears throat> mini Atalanta, but what Atalanta have done so well is the way they've planned things so that they, they've sustained it for about five years now, while Sassuolo obviously had a couple of really good years, but it looks like they might struggle to continue that next year if the team does sort of, dis, uh, you know, 
break apart a bit. Um, but interesting, you, you mentioned Roma in three fall there, um, Raphael, and we're going to move on to them next because we're going to look ahead to the Europa League uh, on Thursday. They will be playing Manchester United, of course. Uh, Francesco, is it fair to say Roma are the underdogs in this? Um, I think that's quite obvious, actually. But, you know, they beat Ajax the last round. What chance do you give them of beating United across two legs? Um, I think they have a chance. I think they've had some good news this week in terms of uh, player availability. I think Smalling, Spinatola, El Shawawi, they're all going to be available for, for the game. I think especially the first two I mentioned there, Smalling and Spinatola, that's, that's really good news because um, Mancini is suspended for this. So having another centre-back available is, is going to be important. And... I think Spinatola has been Roma's best player this this year. I think he was really good against Stax, especially in the first game until he got injured. He's 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 kind of been their best attacker in a way. I think a lot of the stuff that Roma do well has been has gone down that left side with Spinatola. He's he's one of the few players who really is able to get past his marker consistently, and uh, I think his crossing has improved a lot as well recently. So I think he would be a big plus. Hopefully, he'll be fit enough to to have an impact. And also having Al Shorari back, he's he's had some good performances in the Europa League since he's been back at Roma. So, yeah, I think they are they're in a decent position. I think Fonseca is, even though he's um, he's not had the best of time in the league, I think he is quite a smart coach. I think they are going to be up for it. We know they are. They're going to be relatively well rested, and by that I mean that you know they have been focusing on this game. So. It'll be interesting. I think they've got a chance. I agree with you that Manchester United are probably favourites, but um, yeah, Roma have a chance. Yeah, I think uh, a, a couple of things for Roma, though, in that uh, <clears throat> they're playing a Manchester United side who, under Solskjaer, I think they've lost four semi finals, maybe. So it does seem to be a bit of a hurdle for them. And also, <clears throat> we're recording this on Wednesday, I'd like to add, guys. Um, and I saw today the send-off that Roma got. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there are a lot of fans out on the streets giving them a send-off. Um, so, you know, could that sort of lift the team, Raphael? Well, I'm sure it can only lift the team, but will that be enough for you, do you think, or do you think they'll fall short against United? Yeah, I'm not entirely optimistic. I think, on the I mean, on the one hand, yeah, they have, they have sort of been resting for this. And it's all been building up and... You know they have sort of been defying their uh, their league form in in the Europa League, but at the same time, you know you, you look at their performances in the Europa League. They didn't play well in either leg against Ajax. You know, that's not to say they were lucky to go through, but you know it wasn't it wasn't they weren't exactly swashbuckling performances per se against uh, against Ajax, and. I I just feel like man you know Manchester United they they have more in their tank than Ajax to be able to sort of exploit the that sort of poor performance from Roma. I, I think you know Fonseca will you know will probably sort of devise some some plan to you know to keep United's attackers at bay. But yeah, it's it's hard to see it's hard to see them withstanding it for that long. It's going to because it's going to be an assault you know, of, a, of attacks of never-ending attacks from United, and they're going to have to find have to find a way to thwart them. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't see I don't, I don't see uh, Roma's sorry uh, defense lasting lasting very long. But I mean, I guess on the other hand, United don't seem to be in the best of form 
in, in the Premier League right now. So it could go either way, but I'm not I'm not really optimistic for Roma. Yeah, as you say, United have sort of been stuttering a little bit, you know, getting <clears throat> sort of one-goal wins in the league, or as we saw this weekend, drawing with Leeds. So they're not absolutely flying themselves, but certainly in better form than Roma. So we'll have to see how that one pans out. Uh, and just the final section of the show, then, uh, it promises to be a really exciting weekend of Serie A action. I think I'm right in saying that there will be 1,000 fans allowed at the games this weekend, I think they I think they're bringing in some fans this weekend. So, Francesco, have you sort of picked out a couple of games that you're really looking forward to on this weekend? Um, I think the fixture that stands out to me is probably Napoli Cagliari because I think both of those teams have been in good form and uh, they both have a lot riding on that game. Um, you know, Napoli are pushing to get into the Champions League and Cagliari trying to stay up. So that's for me, the fixture of the weekend. Um, and I suppose it will be interesting to see as well if uh, if Inter win on Saturday, whether whether Atalanta can win on Sunday and keep the title race uh, mathematically alive. <laughs> yeah, indeed. How, how about you, Raphael? Any, any games that stand out for you? Yeah, I mean, apart from the two, the two games that potentially are going to decide the title, I think I've got my eye on uh, Bologna-Fiorentina, the, uh, the derby of the Apennines which is always an interesting game. I think Bologna will probably want to want to bounce back and Fiorentina need to, well, they need a result. They don't want to get dragged even, even more into the into the relegation battle. That's, that's going to be my pick. Also, in terms of the, um, from what I've seen in terms of fans, it doesn't look like they're going to be allowed before the Euros in, uh, in Italy. Have uh, they changed their mind on that? I saw it. I think there was an announcement a couple of weeks ago saying from May yeah. the 1st it was going to be a thousand, but that might have changed. Because in Italy right now, what they've done is, I mean, they've, they've, they've lowered some of the restrictions that are in place. Because they, they, they went from a red zone to, a, uh, to amber zone. Cause they've been doing a traffic light system in Italy. And I think the they initially announced sort of the stadiums reopening, but then they sort of decided against it and they pushed it back to the Euros. So it does. I, I think there might be um, there might be fans for the Coppa Italia final. That's that's from what I've seen. Hopefully, we can see that. Yeah, that'd be nice if they could get some some fans for that that sort of showpiece event. Uh, and yeah, in, interesting that you picked out Fiorentina. I, this season, I think, is panning out eerily similar to two years ago for Fiorentina, where they were, I, I think, Empoli hit the crossbar in the last minute against Inter, and that could have sent Fiorentina down. So I, they need to keep an eye over their shoulder because they're not by no means safe yet. Um, but yeah, you've been warned, Fiorentina, by me, so keep an eye out. Uh but it, it, that is a lovely way to end the show. And so thanks, guys, for joining me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll catch you again soon, hopefully after another thrilling weekend uh, this coming weekend. All right. See you later. Bye-bye.